howdy do who fans welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and we're at episode 270 yes one day i shall come back yes i shall come back until then there must be no regrets no tears no anxieties just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that i am not mistaken in mine our lives are different to anybody else's that's the exciting thing nobody in the universe can do what we're doing i've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the tardis should be free of the force field now you may be a doctor but i'm the doctor the definite article you might say the trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time change my dear and it seems on a moment too soon unlimited rice pudding etc etc i am the doctor for now for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour, and the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy do, Who fans. I hope you're all well. Hope you're all safe and healthy. You've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something. Doctor Indeed, Who. Doctor Who. Related. Related. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of Doctor Who. A bit of Doctor Who never harmed anyone. No. Not this week, should anyway. Hope, should hope not. Yeah, should hope not. <laughs> Welcome aboard, everybody. Episode 270. Approaching 300, dude. Yes, we are. Yeah, rattling towards it, aren't we? Crazy, crazy stuff. I know. Yeah, it's goodness. Yeah, yeah. In a week where a lot of um, a lot of conversations happened with Who fans, mm. uh, you and I in particular. Uh, uh, was it the end of last week or the middle of last week? The conversation popped up again, didn't it? About the whole. Uh, timeless child thing i think we was watching a live stream and somebody asked well what do you what do you guys oh it was the who addicts um their their birthday oh yeah uh, live stream uh, a week or so ago and the the question came up from from matt what do you guys think of the um of the timeless child thing and all that and and, and it was uh i could it was just funny because it was a zoom call and you and everyone else was on there i could see all the obviously everyone's faces <laughs> everyone's face was just like oh no <laughs> they've, they've asked that question and then i saw some more um some tweets about it actually saw somebody uh, else having a very similar conversation uh, about it where essentially you and i when we reviewed the end of series 12 mm. i didn't really have too much of a complaint about it we was like, okay well it's a very big change everything it's done but as time's gone on and we've thought about it more and we've other things have come up you know so as we've gone back and 
either watch classic Doctor Who and little tiny things have happened where you think, well, actually that's inconsequential now and that doesn't matter because of what's happened with this yeah. whole, you know, thing. So yeah, I've just seen a few um a few people also talking about it. So our I think I speak for you, but our opinion is is changing a little bit over time. At first we were like, okay, well that's kind of cool in a way and they've changed it up and they've been bold with that stuff, but the more we think about it and the more we watch and read classic Doctor Who stuff, it's like, nah, this is irking me a bit, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see if it's picked up in Series 13, um, if he's going to run with it or if he's just going to be left and that it, it's done with, but it's there. I don't know, it'd be very interesting to see how that plays out. But it's funny because I was, you know, there's been a lot of tweet-alongs recently with the lockdown and stuff, and I... Uh, tweeted along with the TV movie the other night, the McGann TV movie. And um, it was a really fun tweet along, actually, because I've missed a few because there's been quite a lot. So this is um, so I didn't do the New Earth gridlock one. I, I totally missed that one. Mm-hmm. But I thought I'd jump in with the TV movie because it's a good sort of 90 minute. You know, it's quite easy to watch. And um, I really blimmin enjoyed it. You know, I mean, I, I, I like the TV movie anyway, but I really enjoyed watching it the other night. Um, what struck me about it was how good the direction is in it. It's so well directed and it it does stand up pretty well. I know it's got its issues, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was really good to tweet along with other people who seem to be enjoying it as well. Um, but the reason I mention that is because there's quite a few <laughs> points in that TV movie when regeneration and the master trying to steal the doctor's remaining regenerations and all that, there were bits where my back was going up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I kept thinking, oh, there was a few things said in it that Mm -hmm. I kind of, exactly like you said, I said, oh, that doesn't really, that's not really true anymore, is it? But I mean, it's it's a can of worms. I know Doctor Who's always been (laughs) like that, because even in the TV movie, you've got the whole, he's half human thing and and all that. And, So you could kick off about that if you want. There's always something I know, but um, there is. Yeah. But yeah, I must admit, I'm a bit. I'm in agreement with you. My opinion on the whole timeless child concept is, I'm not. It's not sitting as comfortably with me as it did when we first watched it. Mm. I must admit, and that's just because the more we go back and watch and review classic Who, the more little things have changed. If you like, mm-hmm. I know people are going to be. Oh, you can interpret it however you want, but. Um, because someone was saying the other day as well about Hartnell saying that, um, you know, if you're saying he's had all these things happen before his regeneration, he's not that sort of, he's a very different Dr. Hartnell. He's not the sort of hero doctor, is he? He's very much the sort of anti-hero, if you like. And so he, I know you could say all this stuff's happened and he's had his mind wiped and he started again, but I don't know. It does. It just makes you think more about things, um, but not necessarily always in in a good way. I don't think so. I don't know. No region. Yeah. No region. Yeah. Did you do the TV movie tweet long? I did. No, you did. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was really good. We're fans of um, we're fans of the TV movie. Defo. Yeah, I've always liked it, but something mm. about watching it the other night. I don't know if it was just because I was interacting with other people or what. Um, I just it really i just really really enjoyed it i just sat there and thought i that was fantastic um it's the it's the most i've enjoyed watching it i think and maybe it's just because i was tweeting and other people were pointing things out and you were like oh yeah that's good isn't it that bit and uh, <laughs> there is something about sharing mm-hmm. you know an episode be it 
on Twitter or in a cinema or whatever, watching it together. There is something about that, I think. No, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very cool to... I think the good thing about the TV movie also is that it's not... Um, it's not overly played and it's not overly talked about. So you haven't got that. Uh, so when you're down the pub or at a meetup or a convention, you know, you, you typically talk about similar things like, you know, obviously if there's current Doctor Who going out on the TV, you're talking about that. But then you always talk about, you know, a lot of tenant episodes that are very popular and some classic doctors, you know, Tom and, and Hartnell and those sorts of guys. But with the TV movie, it's not really something that's a talking point that much really because people would like to either sweep it under the carpet if they don't like it hmm. or um yeah that, that it just doesn't come up that often and uh yeah. and because with our run as well on the podcast we obviously uh revolve our uh reviews between classic and modern and all that stuff but when we did hmm. the tv movie from again that was it done so we did it once obviously his it's his only well his main TV outing mm-hmm. and that was it job done. So the good thing about the TV movie is that when you do come around to watch it again or talk about it, you haven't sort of talked it to death already. If that makes sense with, you know, with yeah. some of the other stuff to do with who. So yeah, but we like it here though. It's a good, it's a good thing. It just struck me. There's so many nice moments in it. Um, Cause I, I think I know there are, there are people who don't like it. That's fair enough. Um, one of the things I often hear, associated with it is it, oh it's too american and actually watching the other night I was thinking it, not really most of it's in the hospital uh, you know it's not it's not like it's got the american flag because it, it, it was filmed in canada anyway wasn't it so, yeah i mean i don't know i, I just think um because i know you know my good friend liv from the who addicts i know she can't stand it and i'm desperate to get her to rewatch it because she's only watched it once i really want to change her mind but <laughs> if she watches it again and she still doesn't like it then fair enough but um i think there's so many nice moments in it i i just really do like it yeah. great soundtrack as well i yeah i was just gonna say it's funny yeah. every time we mention tv movie <laughs> immediately i can hear the music in my head just straight away i hear it just drifting in in the background uh, it's yeah. a bit like the tardis scene at the end where it's just sort of slowly fading away but the opposite you know where it's like that jazz soundtrack i just oh yeah. Yeah, yeah i hear it floating in the back of my head it's amazing yeah i love the music in it yeah it's got like a yeah. gothic type of feel to it it's like very organy church organy and, mm. and yeah i know i really like it i remember the first time I, I remember vividly the first time i watched it thinking to myself i don't know how this is going to go because so many people that was back in the early days when i was on Doctor Who forums and all that stuff. And when I'd gone to conventions, I think the first time I actually spoke about it was when our very first meetup, when we went to Day of the Doctor over in Slough. Oh, yeah. Donkeys years ago. And I remember a lot of people saying, oh, don't bother with that, right? You know, just steer clear <laughs> of it right, sort yeah. of thing. And we don't talk of it, yeah. Yeah, so I remember when I first watched it, I was like, I've got this baggage with me. It's like everybody's, you know, says how, not everybody, but, you know, a large portion of people say how bad it was, but... When, after I watched it, I thought, what are they talking about? It's not that bad. It's not like, you know, it's it's not like as, uh, it's not going to overtake like some of the, some of the other classic, mm. proper classic, classic stories from Classic Who. A lot of classics in there. It's not going to overtake <laughs> any of those. However, there's certainly a lot of worse, yeah, well, there's plenty of worse stories out there. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. I was gonna. Uh, the thing that strikes me about it is how beautifully produced it is. It's just, you know, it just look. As I said, it stands up very well. It still looks great on screen. The, the TARDIS interior and 
the outside as well, the box that they built for it. Just everything about it. I just I think it's my favourite TARDIS inside and out. You know, it's just everything about it just looks beautiful, I think. Even now, I don't sit there and think, oh, that console hasn't dated very well. That looks a bit cheap now. <laughs> it still looks fantastic. Oh, you know? the console. Oh, it's oh, no, so yeah. good. A lot, yeah, yeah, another that's another dividing thing, but I love that console, dude. I had to dig out, um, I can't remember if you've got one, I've got a picture from LFCC with McGann at the console, so they had the console there, and then they green screened the backdrop, obviously, and I, I dug that out to, to repost on Twitter, um, and I just, I looked at that photo and I thought, it's weird, because I, I'd sort of forgotten I'd got it, because I've got two with McGann, I've got one just with a blue backdrop, and then the console one, and I'd sort of forgotten that I'd got it, sounds crazy, but I was looking at it thinking, Man, I love this photo. This is this me and McGann at the concert. How could I forget that I had this done? This is brilliant. So um, yeah, I posted that out. Did you get one? Yeah, dude, I I loved that. I loved McGann on that day. I absolutely yes. loved him because he, he just said one sentence to me that just made my day. And normally at um, at conventions, when you go for photo shoots, as anyone knows who who has had one, it's really not a personal thing. No. So you queue up for your photo, you're in there for literally three seconds and then you're shoved out and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I remember earlier on in the day, we went for our photo shoot with just McGann, not at the console, but just the normal yeah. shoot. And I remember walking up to him, shaking his hand, something like, hi Paul, I'm Gary, nice to meet you. Love your work. <laughs> something like that. Anyway, later on in the day, this is like four hours later, when we get to the, the TARDIS console photo shoot, um they're like right your turn your turn running up as i got to the console he's like oh gary we meet again young sir Mm. just that one sentence because he remembered my name from earlier on in the day he's probably spoken to thousands of people i was just gonna say yeah imagine how many people he spoke to yeah so that made my day mate that was like yeah like the best thing because he didn't i I, you know what we're like with remembering names and people and stuff there's (laughs) no way we would remember (laughs) you know people so I loved him on that day. Just that one little sentence. Mm. That was enough to make it for me. It was awesome. He's a, he's a top guy. He really is, began. Yeah, he, he is. really is. Yeah. Mm. I think the first time I saw him in the flesh was over at um, Collectomania Milton Keynes. Oh, yeah. Quite a few years ago. Yeah, I dragged the wife and uh, <laughs> and, and the kids over. And uh, we were walking through, because they, the, um, they do it at the stadium in Milton Keynes. Yes, I remember, stadium, yeah. don't they? And it's like, it's weird because like there's a hall, but then there's like corridors around the stadium that they do stores and stuff in. And we're just walking through there and um, it's always my wife. She's got such like an eagle eye. Like walked past him, didn't even notice. And she's like, that's Paul McGann. I'm like, no, it's not. She's like, yeah, that's Paul McGann. So we like ran past, ran back down. I was like, Paul, can I grab a quick selfie? Bosh, that was it done. If she hadn't have said that, if she hadn't have seen it, I wouldn't have done it. And she did the same thing in... Uh, <laughs> St. Pancras. I saw, oh, um, McCoy. McCoy. Yeah, she's like, that's that's McCoy. I did the same thing. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> she went, I'm telling you, that's Sylvester McCoy. So I ran back down the same thing. God bless the wife, eh? <laughs> I remember that's a great picture you got of McCoy. I can't remember your McGann one. You'll have to, you'll have to show me. I've yeah, I'll show you that, that one. I, yeah. yeah, I remember the McCoy one because uh, I can see his little face is lit up because <laughs> you've mentioned the Hobbit. That's you didn't right. just talk to him about Doctor Who. You said, oh, I do love The Hobbit as well. And, or was it Lord of the Rings, whichever he is he's in. The Hobbit, yeah. Hobbit. Yeah. I started off about Doctor Who. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, I'm such a huge fan, uh, Sylvester, of your Doctor Who. I love your era. I'm such a big fan of it. 
and he was a bit of a smart. I'd also really like you as Radagast in in The Hobbit, and his face lit up, and that was it. His little was face lit about, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, thank God, not just Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, it's always nice to have someone acknowledge something else you've done, isn't it? Yeah. If you've done anything else, <laughs> some actors didn't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Colin, let's talk about your other your other bits. Oh, harsh. Keep the gloves up. Come on. <laughs> I know there's a. I don't know the actor's name, and I don't I can't remember the story. I know there is one actor's got a really bad reputation. I think he was <laughs> one character in Robots of Death that gets killed at the beginning. I think I think I'm the right one, but I might not be because, as you just said, I remember it's not great. And I know a few people have met him, and he gets really. He's like, oh, why is it always this Doctor Who? Why is it always Doctor Who? He gets really cross about it. Um, I might be wrong about that. I don't want to get the wrong actor in trouble, but. I'm, pretty sure when my friend said he met him it was the guy in robots of death that gets killed i think it's the guy who goes robot robot i, I might be wrong so i don't want to get oh, okay. anyone in well. trouble but I, yeah there is an actor out there it could be him it might not be um who apparently gets quite cross when you give him a picture to size oh why is it always doctor who <laughs> <laughs> i was only in it for three minutes why oh, oh actually and also i know this one's definitely true amelda staunton is it Oh, yeah. yep. I know when my friend met her, she was um she went, Oh, you people, I only did a voiceover in Doctor Who. Oh because obviously she's done loads, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, celebs I dish in the dirt now. Hmm. Melda Storton. Oh, she's um uh she's in Harry Potter, isn't she? She's the Harry Potter and I think yeah. she did like a voice of something. And I remember a friend asking to sign a Doctor Who picture, she was yeah. Oh, you people, she went. Oh dear. I only did a voice. Anyway, yeah. She did a voice in Doctor Who? I think she did. Again, I'm probably getting it all wrong. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, let's go back to Big Gown because he was good. He was positive. And actually, I've ordered the new Big Finish McGann um, set literally two days ago because it comes out this month. You know, this stranded box set that yep. they're doing with McGann and the curator. Um, I just, I think it just sounds a really interesting premise. Um, so I've, I've ordered that this week. Um, just nice. waiting for it to be released because uh, I know it's out this month. So looking forward to that. It's annoying actually because I go back to work next week and I'll, I've got so much stuff still to listen to. I'll just be adding another thing to it. But I am <laughs> looking forward to that one. It does sound pretty, pretty good. Cool. Yeah, The Strand. It does sound good actually. Yeah. yeah. I haven't really done anything Doctor Who related this week, mate, but I have done something slightly Torchwood related. <laughs> um, so this is really random actually. We were going through the tv channels the other night oh, just trying to find something to watch because <laughs> i've just finished off the third series of killing eve which was absolutely awful do you remember how much i used to love that series you gave me the rundown on this yeah yeah series one of killing eve is <laughs> brilliant series two was okay it wasn't great but it had some good moments series three my word. Anyway, I finished it and said, well, that was a waste of time. So I needed to find a new series to watch. I was like, oh, so we're going through the channels. I don't know how we drifted onto, we were on Sky and we drifted onto Alibi. You know the channel Alibi? Alibi, oh yeah. Uh, no, see, I, I never, I thought it was all repeats. I thought Alibi was full of old, like Columbo and, uh, you know, the Rockford Files. And I just, I didn't realise it actually produced new content as well. And we found, um, Two really good new series. One called The Scarlet and the Duke. That's nothing to do with torture. Just that's quite good. <laughs> and then another one called We Hunt Together, which has got uh, Eve Miles in it. 
And it's blimmin' brilliant. Um, it is one of those when every time we finish an episode, I'm like, oh, should we watch the next one? I think there's only six episodes. Um, but she's so good in it. And she's not even on the... So the picture come up, and it was just a picture of one of the guys in it. She wasn't even in the picture. I don't know why we selected it. I don't know what drew us to it, because there's about a, a million things on it. We just press play. Oh, this sounds interesting, because we like sort of cop shows and thrillers. Um and I start watching it, and then Eve Miles pops up. I'm like, oh, Gwen's in it. Oh, okay. Oh, because I wasn't, you know, wasn't really invested in the first few minutes because I hadn't chosen it. <laughs> if you know what I mean. So yeah, it's really good. If anyone's um like sort of, it's a. It reminds me of Killing Eve when it was good, but not. It's not the same story or anything. But it's got that sort of really good gripping, lots of twists, and and Eve Miles is brilliant in it. She's playing a sort of um police officer stroke detective, and um. She's got a few things, issues going on. And yeah, it's, I'm just really, really enjoying it. And she, her acting in it is fantastic. Yeah, um, it's a bit adult. So yeah. Oh, it's a bit adult. Yeah. It's not for the younger viewers. Um, mate, it's not too bad, actually. There's one or two bits of violence. Probably the first episode's the most graphic. But after that, it's not really that much in it, I don't think. But anyway, yeah, not for the younger ones. It's a, it's a 15 or an 18, I suppose. Yes. It's a bit of language. It's a bit of blue. A little bit of blue. A bit of blue language in it, I'm afraid. But it's a very good series. Yeah, we, oh, nice. we hunt together. Yeah, I recommend it. Really do recommend it. Saw an advert so, for it weeks ago. I'd never heard of mm, it. But I'd not seen it. Yeah, really recommend that. So, yeah, that's, that's I'm sort of trying to find something that I've done this week, which is even related to torture, and that's the only thing I can find, but it is very good. Oh, nice. I haven't done anything Doctor Who. I've been really in the mood for Hartnell, but... Um, I really wanted to watch some classic Who this week, and I just fancied some black and white Hartnell, but I just haven't had a chance, really. I'm just gearing up to go back to work, so I just haven't had a chance for anything else. I read you, dude. I haven't done anything, really, no? like watching stuff. I have uh, picked up, I'm halfway through the uh, City of Death target. Oh, book. cool. Yeah. So I'm halfway, this is a really good read, actually. James is Goss. Is that James Goss? Yeah. yeah. He does, a, he, he, he writes the... The, his his descriptive writing of 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 Tom in this case is really good. So as he's yeah. writing stuff, you can picture in your mind so clearly, you know what he's what he's getting at. Not just because it, not 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 from the the televised version of the story, um, but just the way he writes stuff is really cool. So I'm halfway through this. I think I've got another, I don't know, four chapters to go, something like that. So that's very cool. Because remember, in, on the last show. We spoke about all the, all the show before that. We spoke about Target books. So yeah, I've got a couple I haven't read. So, yeah, City of Death. It's a good one. It's not very big as well. You can read it in a in a few days or a week tops. That's it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love the Target books. Well, you know I do. I love them. Love them. Love it at Target. <laughs> That's all I've done, dude. It's been fairly quiet as usual at the moment with that. Uh, right before we crack on with the rest of the show, we haven't got any news to go through. Very quiet on that front, as expected, but we have got a few bits of cool merch to get through, and then we're on to our review of Torchwood Sleeper. But before that, remember that you can subscribe to our show in whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box Podcast. You'll find us on there. That way you don't miss a show when it lands on a Friday. We're on the socials too. Instagram, Instagram, as a (laughs) new one. Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website. Just... uh, Head over there, Big Blue Box Podcast at Code UK. There are links to the podcast networks and apps as well. There's a link to the Discord server as well. Come and hang out and chat Doctor Who over there. 
And as always, remember to check out my co-host's channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag, yes. And Adam's on the socials as well under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Go and check him out. Indeed. Plenty of cool vids. Right, dude. Let's saddle up. Saddle up old Grumpy and get some merch done. <laughs> yeah. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know. It's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now. Here to help. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new book about the TARDIS coming out. I can never have enough books about the TARDIS, quite frankly. <laughs> well, actually, it's out now. It's called The TARDIS Chronicles, Volume 1. And mm-hmm. it's uh, written, designed, and illustrated by Paul Smith, which is cool. One-man band. Uh, he put out the book The Classic Doctor Who DVD Compendium and The New Who Program Guide. Ah, so he's had a bit of experience with writing for Who, which is good. There's a forward by uh, Clayton Hickman, who we know is a bit of an expert on the tar- on all things TARDIS. Yeah. If you follow his Twitter feed, you'll know that if you want to find out the size and width screw that goes in the top third <laughs> section of a TARDIS that's only appeared on screen once, he'll be able to tell you exactly what that is and stuff. So uh, that's kind of cool. And uh, so it's out now. You can order it from, um, there's only a link to Amazon, but it's probably out on, on other bookshops. It's twenty two ninety nine. So on Amazon at the moment, it's in stock, which is good, shipped in one or two days. And the blurb that came out for this one is the TARDIS Chronicles charts the complete voyages of the Doctor's space and time machine in greater depth than ever before, as well as every journey seen on screen. It also covers all those we only hear the Doctor mention with an I once met and I remember when. Mm. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, It also features comprehensive histories of every police box prop, control room set and console, covering their design, construction, usage and modifications. These are illustrated with accurate schematics, including annotated plans of every control room and their variations. Now, this begs the question, what would they do in volume two? Yeah, I know. Yeah. If they're covering everything. How far does this go up? Yeah. Yeah. But it does sound quite cool. It does. I must admit, I saw, I've seen a lot of people tweeting about this book, saying how good it is. Um, and I've seen a f- couple of pages from it, from the because um, I had to look at the the actual website where you can get it. Um, I know it's Amazon, but what's the publisher called? From those guys, they've got a couple of sort of preview pages on there. Um, and so apparently, it's a really good book. I am intrigued by it because I genuinely like anything to do with the TARDIS. Um, I genuinely like to sort of get. Um, so I'm very interested in sort of like the TARDIS console bit, bits that are in it and all that sort of stuff so yeah I'd t- I'll be honest with you I, if times weren't as hard as they are at the minute because of worker stuff I probably would have just got this because I've heard so many people say it's good but it's just the price tag uh, 23 quid I just haven't really got that at the minute mm-hmm. um, but I, I've put it on my wish list it's definitely something I'd like to get this I, hit, I hit, do hear it's good yeah the publisher's wonderful books so wonder, it, yes. wonderful sorry wonderful Wonderful books, but they, it looks like they didn't manage to get the URL quite correctly when they set up the company <laughs> website. So if you go to wonderfulbook.co.uk, not books, you'll see it on there. And yeah, and you're right, mate. They've got a couple of sample um, pages and stuff. It does look very nice. Yeah. It does, yeah. yeah. I'll link to it in the show notes. But yeah, if you're into your TARDIS history, modifications, illustrations, all that jazz, this will be the book for you. 
Cool. Yeah, put it. I put it on my wish list. Uh, talking of wish list, this is another one. Um, Robert Harrop have released their latest figure. I think anyone who's a regular to the podcast knows how much I love the Harrop figures. Um, again, just price. It's uh, sixty-five quid, I think. But I just haven't quite got the money for this one at the minute. But it does look very nice. It's Agador from the Curse of Peladon. Um, the figure. I think they've done a good job with this one. I. I again. Would love to get him, but I just at the minute just can't afford him. But I think this is one of uh, another cracker from Harrop. Also, I've seen the next figure they're doing, which is the Ice Lord, which looks amazing. So I'm just saving really for him. But uh, Agador, mate, would you would you like one of these on your shelf? He's a limited edition of 200 hand painted mm. pieces. Uh, yeah, he does look very cool. I, I will pass does. on this one. I'll pass on this one. Um, but he he does look very cool though. He does if look if nice. you're a fan of. Uh, if you're a fan of him, it, and the way they do the the paintwork on these resin statues as well is is really cool. So his mouth and his nose, they put like this kind of clear gloss over it, so it looks wet and slimy and stuff. Mm. Very well done. I have a feeling I'll pick him up at some point. Normally, is the minute these go for sale, I'm on them like a flash. Mm. Um, but as I said, it's just he's, he's, I'm not a big fan of those stories to be honest uh, curse and um it's monster isn't it the other one monster repelladon i'm not really a fan of the peladon stories unfortunately so it it doesn't appeal to me as much as some of the other figures that they've done or some of the ones that they've got coming out so for now i'm going to pass on him but he looks very he almost looks a bit cute i kind of he looks very furry doesn't he i don't, <laughs> just there's something about him i quite like i would like to have him on my shelf um so i'll probably get him at some point if he doesn't sell out too quickly he looks like the evil brother of Alf. Do you remember Alf, that TV oh, program? Oh, yes. <laughs> Back yes, in the he 90s. does. Is it the 80s or early 90s? Uh, yeah, the alien, alien life form. Yeah, <laughs> what a program. Oh, man, he really... Now I can't see anything else. He, looks he like really does, yeah. evil cousin or something. If anyone's yeah. too young to remember Alf, just Google Alf TV show and you'll see what we mean. He, he, yeah, yeah, his evil brother. Yeah. <laughs> Agador's at the door. Agador... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'll link to this in the show notes as well. But uh, yeah, another good-looking figure from Harry. Yes, it looks nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't got the price in front of me, but I'm pretty sure when I looked at the website, it was sixty-five. I think plus package. Yeah, it is sixty-five. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And as Adam said, only two hundred. So if you do want it, then jump on and get that. Yeah, they do tend to sell out fairly quick, um, Harrop. Um, so yeah, if you want it, go and grab it. Yes. Uh, moving on, last bit of merch news. We've had an update to the Time Lord Victorious storyline mm. that is going to be going out later on in the year. So we all, we reported a couple of weeks back around the books that are going to be launching around that time. And now we've had an update from Big Finish. They're going to uh, release four separate stories that are going to tie into the whole Time Lord Victorious thing. And... Three of them are main stories, and one of them is the uh, the Big Finish Short Trips. So anyone that's not listened to the Short Trips, it's uh, essentially um, a, a story around one of the Doctors or the Companions, but it's not like an all-star cast. It's just typically um, it's typically nar- uh, narrated or, or spoken through by one person. In this case, it's the Master. So this is called Master... Um, there's two stories uh, in this one's called master thief which is written by sophie ellis sophie ellis that's not right sophie, sophie Isles. Isles, sorry yeah and the other one is lesser evils by simon uh guiera guiera i think i'm saying that right <laughs> I don't know, it's yeah yes and 
but it's two masters. We've got the um, the Delgado master and the um, the Ainley master, and both of them have been voiced by John Coulshaw, which is cool. Oh right! So he's got his master's hat on, and uh, <laughs> I've just got a vision of him in the booth, like <laughs> almost like some sort of you know flicking between the two, going mad. <laughs> I wonder if he's sort of glued on like the goatees because they're slightly different for each yeah each actor, aren't they? Yeah. So uh, master thief, uh, th- this one uh, the master wants to plunder one of the most secure vaults in the universe, the repository. He's got a plan and a deadly new weapon to assist him. However, as the master quickly discovers, getting it might be easy, but getting away with it might cost him everything. And then lesser evils is the Keturah have arrived on the planet Alexis to distribute the gift of the death to its inhabitants. This one sounds dark already. It does. Uh, the only person standing in their way is a renegade Time Lord who has sworn to protect the locals, a Time Lord called the Master. Now, I'm guessing that this is an ulterior motive story. I, it sounds on face value like the master's doing a good deed here, but I imagine there's some underhanded I would think uh, so. ulterior motive for him wanting to do that. So uh, that's the short trips one. And then we've got uh, three other stories. The first one uh, is called uh, Time Lord Victorious, He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not. This one's been written by Carrie Thompson. And... Uh, this is the eighth Doctor uh, story. This is McGann. Uh, and the cast is... Uh, there's a, a small supporting cast, but essentially just the Doctor. And this one is on the desert world of Athana. The Doctor's life is about to be changed forever. Uh, looking to visit one of the 700 wonders of the universe. He's quickly embroiled in a web of deceit. Worse than that, this wonder of the universe is missing and the Doctor is about to encounter one of the most dangerous and duplicate duplicitous duplicitous duplic duplicitous adversaries the doctor wow. is about to meet brian ah oh, brian <laughs> wow, that, did they think because we got such a standard name we'll have to go with a very big word to make him sound <laughs> more yeah. important how do you say that bloody word duplicitous duplicitous something like that anyway moving on so that's David. know what it means yeah he kills me he kills me not that's the first one number two in the series <laughs> is called the enemy of my enemy again this is just a mcgann story uh, but it's also got uh nick briggs doing something so i imagine yeah this is a dalek story dalek isn't it? Yeah. written by tracy ann baines the people of Rax are happy to begin peaceful negotiations with the dalek empire the two <laughs> species are preparing to engage in an alliance that will last throughout the ages the only one who seems to object to this happy union is the Doctor. He knows that you can never trust the Daleks, but, uh, oh, wow. but more than that, he knows that the Raxians should never have existed. This one sounds interesting, dude. That does sound interesting, yeah. Yeah, because when I first heard this, sorry, when I first saw the cover, I thought, here we go, it's another Dalek story. Oh, it's exactly what I thought, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, but then the description sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that's that one. And then the third one, final one, is called Mutually Assured Mutually Assured Destruction. Again, McGann. Nick Briggs is in this one too. He's playing the Daleks, so another Dalek story. And the fallout of the great battle. Uh, outnumbered and alone, on a Dalek time ship uh, careering through the vortex, the Doctor must use all of his cunning to survive. As the saucer disintegrates around them, the Doctor is trapped with a crew of increasingly desperate Daleks. Or are the Daleks trapped with him? Mm. 
So three main stories there. One about Brian, two about the Daleks. <laughs> I'm very intrigued by Brian. I'm not happy about this, mate. Why? Because I feel like with this whole Time Lord, victorious, big multi-doctor thing, I feel like we need Tennant in here. And we need a bit of Jacob Dudman doing some Eccleston. Well, I think, yeah, so we are getting... Te- well, we're, yeah, Tennant will be... Mm, I don't know, because they've, they've got the two books coming out. They're Tennant. Then I'm guessing Big Finish are doing these audios, so they're eight. Who else is supposed to be in this? Eccleston, he'll probably be on the comics or something. And then what's the other format they're doing this on? The Escape Rooms. Escape Room, that'll probably be Rose. Uh, so Because I'm thinking of the poster they put up, so we mm. know what we're getting, don't we? But I guess if everybody's tackling a different section of it i reckon so it all comes yeah. together like that um I read you. Yep. yeah i don't know I'm, I'm i'm loving the artwork lee binding doing a cracking job and who did the time of victorious one because that's good as well yeah that the was anthony one. anthony lamb anthony lamb yeah, yeah. artworks cracking on this mm-hmm. uh, it's not a bad deal actually so these are 8.99 each um on download or 10.99 for what they now call the collector's CD. But you can get them as bundles. Uh, so I think you can get all three CDs for 25 quid, which isn't bad. That's cool. Um, yeah. And digital, I don't know what that would be, 20 probably. Let me have a quick look. Yeah, it's normally a five um, or less, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so you, that's right. Yeah, so it's uh, 25 for the three CDs, 29 if you want the three CDs in the download bundle, um, and download is 22. Yeah, again, if I had the money, I would uh, definitely pre-order the bundle of the four, probably, um, for 29 quid. I think that's a really good deal. But um, these aren't out till the end of the year, so they're October, November, December. Yeah. And um, I don't know, uh, with Big Finish, because they take the money straight away, I'm afraid I always order literally like a couple of days before, like always at the end of the month. I'll go and have a look to see what's coming out the following month and then pre-order it so that I know that I've got them. Um but yeah, I would like to order the whole lot to be honest. But I just think at the minute, it's got to be a bit careful of money. But I wish if Big Finish, honestly, I know I know the reason they do this is to keep them funded, and absolutely I get it. Um, but if they took the money on dispatch, I would pre-order so much more. I would just literally pre-order loads. But because they take it straight away, um, I can't really be shelling out thirty quid for something that's not out till. Same with the master set. Master set's not out till January next year, so I'm afraid I'm not ordering that yet because I just can't afford it. No, that makes uh, it makes a lot of sense, dude. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. a lot of people have said that's a big finish as well. Yeah. yeah, but it's a good it's a good offer. I mean, if yeah, I mean, it is worth getting the bundle if you're going to get all three, you could get the whole lot mm-hmm. for twenty five quid. It's uh, that's pretty decent when they're ten ninety nine each. So, yeah, yes. Did Again. they mention something very briefly in there? Uh, you know, they put out that that statement that we 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 spoke about last week yeah about them changing up how they're going to release stuff from 2021 and whatnot yes um it would be it would be really good idea for when they're going to move to that new release schedule if they also changed up there because i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind paying for big finish on something similar to what you pay for netflix or something so if you did like i don't know x amount of pounds a month and that was a regular payment that went out of your account like you like you pay for Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever, then that'd be cool. You know, mm. you could have two tiers. You'd have like your physical subscription, which is maybe a couple of quid more, and then your digital one. So that would that would be cool if they had like yeah. a subscription model. 
And then if you wanted like the big collector sets, you could like pay like an extra few extra pounds to get those or whatever. But all of those, because then when they move to the new release schedule, they're all going to be these doctor specific volumes and box sets, aren't they? They're not going to have this monthly range of flitting right, between yeah. doctors. So you, yeah. so you would know that every month you're getting, you know, a two, two different, you know, a, a doctor's box. I don't know, something like that. I no. see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Good idea. Get on the phone to Briggs. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all the big finish stuff. So lots of Time Lord Victoria stuff happening. And I think you're absolutely right there, dude. I didn't clock that before. It seems like Tenant's going to be for the books. McGann's going to be for the big finish audios. Eccleston for the comics. I'm guessing. Yeah. That's what it looks like, isn't it, so yeah, far? I, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, get on the uh, get on the train for Big Finish for that stuff. That's coming out, when is it? October. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right. Yeah, October, November, December. October-age. Mm. <laughs> right. Review time, bud. Yeah, yes. Cracking on with Series 2 of Torchwood We're with the second episode, which is called Sleeper. He's a sleeper agent. Before. They don't miss survivors. They infiltrate planets, adapting their bodies, gathering intelligence, sometimes for years, watching until they're ready to take over. Okay, that's creepy. What if there's more of them? By the time they attack, they know every single thing about the planet. When are the others coming? They're already here. She's part of a cell and they've activated. It's happening. Tell me how to stop it. Tell me how to stop it. Jack. Very forceful. Jack losing his rag a few times in this <laughs> he one. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not, he's not taking any nonsense in this one. Zero patience. Like I've told you before. Now give me the information. <laughs> anyway, Sleeper. From Torchwood, episode two of series two. It was first broadcast back on the 23rd of January, 2008. It was written by James Moran. Directed by Colin Teague. Know that name very well by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars the uh, current normal hub people and uh, a small supporting cast. And the the blurb is uh, burglary turns into a into a bit of a slaughter. And Torchwood suspects alien involvement when the investigation escalates into a citywide assault from said aliens. Jack realizes the whole planet is in danger, which it kind of isn't really. Not really. Cardiff is probably some of <laughs> Wales, uh, but yeah, sleeper dude into series uh, into series two now. Mm. Are we up and downy like series one, or is this because uh, what did we rate last? The last we enjoyed the last did? one, didn't we? Whatever that was, the first step. Yeah, what was that? Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah. it's actually pretty decent seven seven point five yeah. yeah so what do you reckon then were you keeping the train going what are your thoughts um on? yeah i didn't think this was too bad actually i i didn't remember anything about it so when you know when we said oh next week it's sleeper i looked at the picture on wiki of of beth and thought no, i don't even remember this episode and i saw a few comments once we put the post up saying oh this, is, this isn't very good and i thought oh dear um so i didn't go into it with particularly high expectations to be honest with you i thought oh is this going to be a bit of a a dud um it, it's not groundbreaking it's nothing great but um i, I enjoyed it on the whole I, I thought it was quite an interesting idea of this thing 
being inside you, gathering information, ready to attack. I liked that concept. Um, and I thought it mostly moved along at a good pace. There was a couple of bits where I was a bit bored. But one thing I did think overall as an episode was the, the chemistry to the cast is very good now because I know that was one of the issues we had in series one. Uh, like the humour, there's some good humour in this. There's a couple of really good lines um, that actually made me laugh. I thought, oh, you know, the humour's working a lot better by now. The cast seemed to be on fire. Um Jack's a lot less cheesy in this episode, which was nice to see. He seems a little bit more uh, serious, quite angry. Um, So I thought the cast helped a lot in this. I thought it it seemed to be all gelling together quite nicely. So it's not a standout episode, but I didn't think it was too bad. I quite enjoyed it overall. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about yourself? Uh, Yeah, I didn't mind it. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't mind it at all. It was a uh, an enjoyable watch. Uh, I think, yeah, you you nailed it. I think it's just not gonna it's not gonna win any awards for anything, and it's not groundbreaking in any way. It's just a sort of average, enjoyable Torchwood watch. It's that real kind of um, you're not on the edge of your seat, but at the same time, you're not really falling asleep. You know, it's just it kind of goes through and. It's fairly good. Uh, I did think, uh, do you know what, mate? I, the only thing, uh, there's been a few Torchwood episodes like this in series one, where I have to say that the only tiny little niggly bits that sport it for me are actually John Barrowman. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I think for the most part, the performances were pretty good. I really like Eve Miles in this one. Yeah, she's very good in it. Yeah. Yeah, she's got that. It's it's another one of those stories where she's got a big heart, hasn't she? She's... um. You know, she's very she she becomes very attached to um Beth. To to Beth, yeah. And she wants the best for her, even though she knows that she's like this kind of maniacal grand scheming killing machine. You know, she still mm-hmm. forms like an attachment to her. So that's really cool. It's nice when Miles is like that, because I like Miles, Eve Miles, when Gwen's being that type of character. I don't yeah. like it when she's being the slutty all over somebody. I just want to, you know, screw Reese over mm. every five minutes. I don't like her when she's like that. I do like yeah. her when she's like this. So that's cool. But John Barrowman, dude, I don't know what it is. There was just some episodes. <laughs> I had it in series one as well, where for the most part he's great. But there was just these couple of episodes where I just feel like he's trying too hard. Like the script has been written in a way that, like I, I can just imagine like the script where the, the notes for each scene are like Jack's pointing his gun and he's very angry at mm. something so john barrowman you know equates that to i'm just going to shout loudly and it just doesn't work sometimes um, yeah because it I, doesn't I have the impact you know i think i know what you mean i think the, they're trying to be so jack and gwen in the story very much trying to be good cop bad cop aren't they yeah so poor old best in the middle being pretty much put through the ringer actually they really do um i wouldn't say torture her but they're pretty harsh i think considering yeah. that they i mean i know at the beginning they don't know that she she doesn't know that she's got this thing inside her but um but yeah they do put her through the ringer but that's that's the dynamic they're going for isn't it so gwen's very caring whereas jack's shouting and hollering and slamming things and um i didn't think it was too i mean i, I prefer it when he's like that i think to being sort of all the cheesiness that we get or maybe if we could get a good balance between the two i mean i think the only there's a good bit where he says something like Actually, no, he's not particularly good in that scene, but actually there is a good line where he says something about being dashing. 
But actually, it's Yanto that brings that particular bit of the script to life, and he goes, "Well, you must admit, he is, he is dashing." But yeah, it's actually Yanto that probably steals that scene a bit. And there's also a great bit where um, uh, Owen says, <laughs> "No, so like we're all going to die or something." He said, "Oh, well, let's just all have sex." And Yanto's like, "Well, just when I thought the end of the world couldn't get any worse." And yeah. there's some good lines in it like that. So. Um, but yeah, I guess Barrowman, I don't know. I don't think he was too bad in it, but I, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? One of the best things though, you've just, I was going to bring him up later. It was Yanto in this one. He's yeah. Just, last. He's just on fire. It's like, I don't know what, it, it's strange that they've written him in this way because oh, don't get me wrong. I'm glad about it because in series one, he was written as a bit of a wet blanket really. So he was, he was only there in short in little doses, wasn't he? And he was a bit of a butler sort of figure where he just sort of brought, brought them coffee, ordered the pizza. And then there was a couple of episodes where they fleshed him out a bit, but he was just very whiny and cryy and yeah, and all that stuff. But now in series two, they're like, well, let's change this up a bit. Let's have him just be this real kind of savage, <laughs> sassy, funny sort of thing. And it, it, I think there's about four, maybe five occasions throughout the story where something pretty important's happened and quite shocking. But then Yanto just comes out with this funny one line and it's like, yeah. it, you know, it kind of sets the tone for uh, for the whole story because they could have gone down the whole doom and gloom. And, and he does add that. to the much needed comic relief. To it. They finally just, they finally realise what they want to do with the character, haven't they? They finally realise, like, like you said in series one, he's not really funny, he, he mopes around a lot. I think they finally realise that they, they've got quite a good character here that can come in with the odd good one-liner and just, you know, be like, again, he is still in the background a bit, um, but there's bits where he pops up and just says things, like something about sniffing that we don't sniff the something or other reactor. He comes out of nowhere just with his clipboard, doesn't he, when, when she's been shown around the hub and nice little scenes like that. So I think they finally figured out Yanto's character. And I I mean the writers, because I don't think um, he was really given anything to work with, particularly up till now. Even in his sort of Cyberwoman episode with his girlfriend, he just spent most of it crying and moping around. So it's, I think we're finally getting to see the Yanto that we sort of get to know Uh properly if you like the one that we like <laughs> one that we like yeah. well because i was that's the thing I, I remember liking the character of yanto and then when we started revisiting series one i was starting to question why i was thinking oh, i remembered liking him but he's rubbish but now i think yeah i started to see why i did like yanto yeah yeah he's when he's like this he's just really cool because it provides a bit of not comic relief in a way he's not a comedian he's not like um you know He's he's not his purpose isn't to make light of the situation on purpose. He just does it because I don't know. He's got like a renewed sense of confidence about him. So there's a couple yeah. of other bits in the story where he's very confident. Like how did they, you know, get past security or something like that? And he's like, well, I know everything about Torchwood. Mm-hmm. You know, there's how do they know more than me about this sort of place? There's another bit later on where. Uh, they're talking about something else. He's like, I know everything. You know, he's he's just much more confident, and 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 I think that's what makes those lines funny. Is that you can tell that they he's those lines have been written because his character is now more. Well, I'm just going to say this funny thing, even in light of like something bad happening where I wouldn't have done that before. So they're not doing it because oh we we feel the script is dry or we feel like it's too serious. Let's just have a funny one liner because anybody could have said them those things. But it's, they've given him to Yanto because I think 
they want to move his character along in a such a way that we don't want the whining kind of, you know, delivery boy character that we've had so far. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Actually, his character, I can, now I remember now as we're watching through them and now every time that those kind of scenes happen, I'm like, ah, uh, now I remember that like how torture kind of improves as we get through and we leave series one behind. It's those moments where I think actually, yeah, I remember now it was very cool watching Torchwood from before. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad about that because I was slightly worried having revisited series one. It, it definitely, there was some good stuff, but it definitely wasn't as good as I remembered at all. Um, but this so far, series two started off quite promising. Cast are definitely gelling better together. They, yep. You know, like, like you said, the interaction, uh, even in that scene we just talked about between the three. So you've got Tosh and Owen and um, Yanto together in the hub you know there's some, there's some good banter going on between those three in amongst the action and stuff um the other things that they've sort of toned down sort of <laughs> from series one so there was a lot of language bad language just thrown in a couple of scenes that were just you, you just thought well it didn't really need that there was no need for that um we still get the odd expletive i think um but we it seems to have been toned down a bit I thought the violence may be gratuitous violence may have been toned down a bit in series two, but I, I think in this episode, there's still quite a bit in there. There's a couple of yeah. really nasty scenes. Mm. Um, are they, the thing is I, I was thinking last night, are they gratuitous or, or does it add to the story? One of them is. Um, sorry. One of them is. Yeah. I was going to say, I think certain bits, I think, yeah. Okay. Cause this, this thing of this spear thing, this yeah. sword that comes out of their hand is really quite frightening. And I, I think it's a great idea because it is scary. God. Um, but there is a couple of bits where I thought, Oh, that was a bit, I don't know, a bit much. Yeah. I only thought that about once. So the, the yeah. scene I'm talking about is when the guy in the suit, who's a sleeper agent and he comes to life, he goes yeah. to this person's house and the guy opens the door, gets his hand turns into the spear. And then in front of his wife and his kids, like yeah, knifes the crap out of him and there's like blood all over his shirt and blood everywhere and he goes back and forth a couple of times that's, yeah. that's the bit I thought as well I didn't need that yeah the other scenes I didn't think they were gratuitous because the first scene so the story is set up with Beth and her husband just in bed they hear a burglar they get up and that's how the story kicks off where we don't see it on screen mm. but we know later on that it's Beth you know her kind of um, uh, inner sleeper sort of implant has kicked in yeah and it's like you know she can't you know the, the thought of being killed the implant has sort of woken her up into her other self her alien self and has killed those good, burglars yeah it was a good way to start that as well wasn't it i it thought was it was cool. a good way to yeah. to get kick the story off because it did having not remembered anything about this story i was intrigued i thought well, what is going on here it's clearly she knows something or clearly you know something's gone wrong so i did think that was a great way to kick off the episode um, they unraveled yeah. the story quite nicely as well. I think, again, the pacing wasn't too bad in terms of the reveal of this thing in her arm and everything. That was quite well done. Yeah. But I agree with you about that scene. I think what makes it gratuitous, perhaps just a little unnecessary, is uh, it's, it's the, in front of the family, I think, is the bit that sort of makes me feel a bit yucky. I, there's just yeah. something about that, which is just not very pleasant. Um I don't know. Well, and also the fact, as I said, you see him get stabbed and then he sort of goes in and out a couple of times and blood splatters over the wife's face. And I thought, yeah, we kind of get the, we, probably, <laughs> we could have got the point without that really. You know, the guy's dead. We yeah. get, you don't really need to see that sort of stuff. So 
Yeah, well, maybe still a little bit gratuitous in places. But then again, but, you know, this is torture that went out fairly, not late, late, but it went out in sort of later evening, didn't it? Yeah, true. And I'm thinking, you know, of that other spin-off we had, Class. I mean, for me, most of the violence, and I have only watched it once, so maybe I shouldn't judge it too much. But I remember thinking most of the violence in Class was just there for the sake of it, uh, or at least a lot of it. I remember thinking they were trying to just be adult for the sake of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I thought that was something they didn't learn from Torchwood, is that you you can be scary and frightening and you can have scenes like that. Hitchcock was very good at, you know, making you think you'd seen something when you hadn't, you know, yes. just by using yeah. sound and imagery rather than actually just showing stuff on screen. So, um, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I'm not, this is not the, you know, this is far from the worst uh, gratuitous violence torched episode we've had, but yeah, there was a couple of bits that are a bit gross. There was a bit where he's spitting up blood at the end as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> But yeah, we've had worse. We've had like fish brains being blown out across a window before now. So, you know, this is tame. This is tame, yeah. In comparison yeah. to that, <laughs> yeah. the blowfish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the um the other scenes of violence are not too bad. Like when he gets to the military base, that's just like fairly action movie type of stuff yeah. with like a shootout and he's a bit of a Terminator Arnie moment where he's got a machine gun in one hand and his arm spear in the other and he's sort of taking down soldiers. That's not really gratuitous. That's just like action and see yeah sort of thing i yep. just thought they finally got rid of the disco glitter lights from the torchwood car or was it just because it was daylight because they drive me mad i think just because it's daylight mate oh right oh, i was hoping they got rid of them uh the other scene which is quite violent but quite shocking and quite sad not gratuitous mm. at all is when beth goes back to see her husband in the hospital oh yeah, yeah. Uh, is it mike is it Mike, his name? David or Mike? Well, I think it's Mike. And uh, she goes to hug him and her spear sort of comes out without her knowing it. Stabs him right through the heart, it looks like. Yeah. So that's really sad, that moment. Because you can tell that... You know, you sort of feel it's going to happen, don't you? But You can tell something's going to happen. Yeah, like... You, but initially I thought that one of the other sleeper agents was going to turn up at the hospital. Oh, right. I, think it was gonna, I thought it was going to kick off like that. But no, she, you know, the the kind of instincts of the the alien sleeper sort of kicks in, and that's it. He's a goner. Well, we don't actually see him die. We see like the the doctors and stuff run in mm. to try and uh, to try and save him. I assume. So we, he may not have died, but he probably did. I think he did because doesn't she say something at the end of? I think she doesn't she reference it at the end when she decides that she's got a get herself killed mm-hmm. um beth does she sort of say something like i can't live with it what i've done or something yeah so i'm assuming he died well jack pulls her out of there anyway so she doesn't see him die either i mean it's a fair yeah. it's a safe bet he died but jack has yeah. to get like so jack gets stabbed in this one yeah. <laughs> he just has to get shot or stabbed or thrown off a building in every episode just to remind us that he's a, a mortal doesn't he but you know he gets a good old he gets a blade right gets between a, the shoulder yeah but we don't see him die, though, do we? Because when Jack normally no. dies, he has that moment where he's actually dead, isn't he, for a little while. But there then, he goes. <gasps> yeah, and then he comes back. So we don't see that in this one. They kind of do away with the whole, <laughs> well, we don't need you to see Jack dying and coming back to life again. Just know that. So that's maybe a, a thing that newer Tortured fans might be confused about. Like if you've not yeah. seen, like just say, for argument's sake, this is the first time you've watched Tortured. 
yeah, you'd, you'd be, be thinking, oh, yeah. Jack, you'd be scratching your head thinking, well, he's a goner. But then literally like two minutes later, he's running around, not even a hole in his shirt, no blood, nothing. And his back oh. is completely normal. You think what's happened here then? He was knifed through the, through the chest. And, the, and the, the blade goes right through and it comes out of his back. So yeah. you think, well, he's it's ruined that coat. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're a newbie to torture, this is your first one. You're probably thinking, hold on a minute. Is this, is this Doctor Who timey-wimey territory? Have we gone back in time or something? Did you notice Gwen's reaction as well? She's so blasé to it. She is now. There's like yeah. A, so yeah, you, the blade goes through him and he's like, Ugh! and Gwen just <laughs> almost sort of shrugs. That she like, oh, Jack's <laughs> stabbed again. <laughs> He'll be back in a minute. She's really um, blasé about it. <laughs> she is. I guess yeah. she's just got used to it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. What do you think to the concept then of the sleeper cell? Um, I like the concept. Peeps. Pretty decent. Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought it maybe could have been explored a bit better. Because uh, that's the thing. It, like you said, it's not a groundbreaking episode. It's not particularly memorable in many ways, but it's also not bad it's a, it's a it's an interesting watch and i think mostly because i like this concept of anybody could have this thing inside and you wouldn't know uh so that's so that's quite creepy so that that guy in the suit that does activate um is pretty creepy you know when he sort of turns because he's just having a sort of very normal conversation with his wife they're opening a bottle of wine you know very everyday thing and then he suddenly turns and snaps her neck and you think whoa oh, um, yeah. Yeah. but it's interesting that they only I thought they were going to do more I, was, I thought they were going to utilise that a bit more so we do see a few other people activate we, there's a quite a, a sort of horrible scene when you know the, the mum with the pram activates or oh, something yeah. and her pram just wheels off into the road and you you don't see it but you, you hear the car run over it or whatever but, so we do we know that other people have been activated um but we don't really see them particularly dealt with. You know, when the guy blows up, we're just to assume that they've been unactivated. I don't mm. know. Yeah. But I was expecting more of that because, like you said, the the premise of it is that they're going to take over the world and they're going to launch these uh, missiles or something, isn't it, that they're trying to get to and, and all this sort of stuff. So the premise is quite big, but I don't know that that was fully realised on screen, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's probably just a budget thing, though. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. No, no. Do we see anyone else activated? Um, no, so we just see the, the, the paramedic the guy. The pram. Oh, the paramedic, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty creepy. Yeah, that guy um, uh, who plays the paramedic, uh, he's in a few other uh, Doctor Who stories. Oh, is he? As an actor, yeah. he's um, He plays a, a taxi driver in one of the stories. I think it's... I can't remember which one it is. He plays a taxi driver and he also plays something else. He's like, he's one of those um, uh, extras, if you like, that pops up in a few of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't, um, didn't recognise it. Mm. It's a bit like Paul Casey plays the Weevil. Janet. They've, I didn't realise she had a name. Janet the Weevil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Janet. When, when oh, I, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> when I saw the Weevil, I, think, I thought... <laughs> Here we go. They're wheeling out the weevil again. It seems to be yeah, like... Yeah, they love that blooming weevil. They, I feel sorry for Janet, though, <laughs> because in theory, she's not actually doing anything wrong at the minute, but she's no. locked up. It seems like they're just going to lock her away forever. Put her in the cage. At yeah, least, I like, know, you just... know, teleport her away somewhere. Get or rid of her. freeze her. Put her in the... Because that's what yeah. they do with Beth, isn't it? They're like, we don't know what to do with her. 
we'll freeze her and put her in the cabinet until we know what to do. Or what? Yeah, why do they do that with a weevil instead of keeping it in that cage? Very yeah. cruel. Yeah. What did you think of the treatment of Beth? Because they are pretty harsh on her, aren't they? They they use the mind probe on her. I always mm. uh, like the fact they give that a nod. Um, and then yeah, they they think they've frozen her and they they think they've just put her away in a, in the um, morgue, don't they? For for a while until they know what to do with her. And I thought, well. It's a bit harsh. Are they going to tell her family? Or, yeah, you know, but that's a great scene though when she wakes up. I, I love that because you you know it's going to happen. I think, but um, when you see her sort of open her eyes in inside the morgue and stuff, I thought, oh, she's she's back, sort of thing. I thought that was good. Yeah. No, that was cool actually. Yeah, uh, and I think what you were saying about they were quite harsh on her. You know, when they put the mind probe on. And they were really harsh with sort of the interrogation and stuff. Wow, Jack particularly is yeah. like, do it again. Yeah, and then later on when they're like, well, we're just going to freeze you. I think those type of scenes, and because you've got Gwen and um, you've got Gwen and um, Tosh who are like, you know, stop it, you know, stop it, you know, it's too much, and you've got Jack like, do it again. I think those scenes are quite cool because it alludes to the fact that Jack has been here and done it. Whereas yeah. the other guys, even though they've been with Torchwood for a few years now, they've still got that very, it's almost like in a way, Captain Jack's character has kind of disconnected himself from his human side sometimes. And he's very much like just the Torchwood machine. Because you can tell that, you know, because he's been around the block, not in a rude sense, but he's been around the block in terms of, um, well, he probably well, has actually. He has, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In terms of, you know, he's seen all these different aliens. He's seen what they're all capable of. So when we're back at the hub and stuff and they're interrogating people, people like Gwen are like, oh, my God, you know, this is terrible. Whereas he's like, and we saw that a few times in series one as well, quite ruthless streak with him and quite a non-caring sort of side. And I think that's really cool when you see that because it's like, well, we're, we're reminded that, Jack isn't really one of them, is he? Although he's like the head of Torchwood, that he's not really one of the one of them, is he? If that makes sense. It's weird. Yeah, it's funny because it, Jack's character, although it's um the same character that we get in Doctor Who, he does feel different at times. Because uh, Doctor Who Jack, I'd probably feel quite safe if I was with him. Torchwood Jack, I I wouldn't. I I kind of feel like he's very clinical. He will always do um what he feels is the greater good in, in other words if it means you've got to die but the <laughs> sort of 10 other people live you're dead and you know i mean he's very sort of matter of fact i think torchwood jack mm. um so i wouldn't feel very safe him you know i mean even the torchwood team have had to shoot him and try and kill him before now because he's just you know he's if he thinks he's right he will go with it no matter what um even if he's completely wrong like he was in the in the series one final uh, where he got everything wrong and had to be shot <laughs> By, by Owen, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't mean. I think there's a bit of a doctor about Jack as well in this because he seems to recognise the alien straight away, doesn't he? He really, he knows what it is, and they know him. There's a bit when that guy's dying at the end. He's like, "We know you, Jack. We've seen you, and all this sort of stuff." And so there, there's a bit of a sort of doctor element there as well, isn't there? That he seems to know what's going on, and they know him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is good. I like like all that stuff. It makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah. But you're right, though. The the, the Torture guys are gelling a bit more. Oh, definitely. Uh, uh, better, they're gelling better, aren't they, than we had in Series 1. So it's a nice little moment between... Uh, at the beginning, at the, uh, at the hospital, when um, 
uh, Owen takes a phone call from Jack and he's like, I need you to stay there all night if you have to sort of thing. And he's like, great. And he goes back to Gwen and he's like, Jack said, you have to stay here all night. Yeah, yeah. They've kind of got that banter Little. sort of back now. And They're, they're much more likable yes. so far. Yeah. Because that's the thing in series one, they're not always very likable, the characters. They're quite selfish and um, they're quite nasty to each other at times yeah. in series one. Whereas yeah. now, like you said, there's there's banter between them. They've got to know each other. And mm-hmm. yeah, you, you definitely are starting to like the characters more, I think, in series two. I mean, we're only two episodes in, but you know, already you can feel that, that the characters have grown and there's, you know, they're more interesting. Yeah, defo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think to the visual effects or the practical effects that we saw for, you know, when Beth's getting interrogated and then that you can see the implant uh, appear on her arm? Yeah. I thought that was a really good really good effect you know the skin sort of breaks and then that red light appears underneath i thought it's very good um because what this is now 12 years old yeah um no i thought it was very good and i thought the spike arm was very good i think there's only one shot uh, where it looks a bit rubbish i can't think what he's walking towards the the soldiers that's it it looks a bit rubbery and Yeah. yeah um but yeah, no, I thought the the visual effects in this um, there isn't a great deal, but what there is, I thought were pretty good. The arm thing looks pretty decent. Yeah, quite creepy. Yeah, I imagine that would have anyone that suffers with trypophobia that would have kicked off, kicked <laughs> off big time. You know that um, phobia where people are scared of like small holes. Oh have you right, heard of that before? <laughs> well, it looks a bit like a maze, doesn't it? When you look yeah. at the, it's like a sort of maze on the arm. Yeah. Um, I like the yeah, I like the sort of design of it as well because you know, like when he's got that little bomb, it looks like almost like a seashell. So it's quite organic, and yeah. the same on the arm, it looks quite organic. And I thought that that looks pretty good. Yes. Yeah. So no, I was I thought the effects were decent. Yeah, I did look good actually. Yeah. And what I'm assuming you... what they've done is they've CG CGI'd it when it's opening, but then they've obviously actually physically put that thing on their arm. I assume. Yeah, I think it was all. I think that it was already there as a sort of. Oh, I see. And the then yeah, yeah, that would make sense. And yeah. then they just use sort of some very light CG to sort of morph it from their normal arm into that, what it looks like. It's yeah. very cool, though. Yeah. Uh, what did you think to um, Nikki Amuka Bird then playing Beth? Because she had a few scenes where she really had to go for it, like the interrogation scene. And she she was quite stretched in a way that not, not huge as in range, because there wasn't scenes where she's laughing and joking about and happy, but it must have been quite intense sort of filming because she had that scene where she's really feeling it in the interrogation scene. And then that like complete despair when she accidentally kills her husband and, and all that stuff. I think she did, um, did a really good, a good job. I actually quite felt for the character by the end of it. Yeah, no, I thought, um, I was surprised actually. I thought she was very good as Beth. Um, what's the actress's name? Uh, it's Nikki Amuka bird. Yeah, I thought she was very good as Beth because, like you said, she she does have to do a lot of emotion acting. Um, and especially when you get an actor that has to cry a lot, it can sometimes be just a bore. Kind of, It can be really cringy and you think, oh, God. But I know I thought she was good because I did feel sorry for her. Um, you know, she <laughs> so obviously her acting was to a certain standard because she, I did feel for the character. So I thought she was very good. Yeah. Again, I was a bit surprised because I know that some of the comments said she was over the top at times and I thought, oh, God. But <laughs> no, I thought she was very good, actually, thinking about it. She yeah. was cool. Yeah. And she like said she again. has to do a lot, doesn't she? She has to go through a lot of motions. She's very much put through the ringer. Yeah. She pops up in Doctor Who. 
I thought I recognised her. Yeah, she pops up as um, one of the professors in Twice Upon a Time. So, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, at the University of New Earth, what, what was that? Uh, crikey, like the year five billion or something. Mm. Something like that. At the Testimony Foundation, she's one of the, um, the professors there. So she does pop up again. They bring her back for some who, some who action. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I thought just thought she looked familiar, but I assumed it was just from this. Yeah, oh, she's done an Inside Number Nine as well. That's a great series. <laughs> <laughs> she's also did. Uh, uh, what was she in before that? Oh no, sorry. I thought she was in another Doctor Who, but no. no. Yeah, I think she did a decent job though, for sure. Yes, yeah. yes, I did. Um, the and then the. Do you think that they were defeated too easily? Um, it did feel a bit anticlimactic, doesn't it? Like I said, I think this comes back to what I was saying about the scale, because basically they blow one guy up and that's everything's wrapped up quite neatly. So I did feel that, but then I guess with the constraints of a 45-minute episode, yeah. it wasn't the worst wrap-up I've seen. I mean, it, it still works quite well, but uh, yeah, they were defeat, defeated pretty easily, weren't they? And thank goodness bit. they had a CB just very handily <laughs> still switched on in the hub because um, I did laugh at that bit as well. I was thinking, so all communications down, but thank they've still got a CB. <laughs> Who has a CB? Who has a CB these days? Well, eh? Barrowman, obviously. Of course. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, they were defeated easily. To answer your question, I thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, they do pop up again though. So do in, they in the big finish? Ah, oh. in the big finish Torchwood story called Serenity. They're in there. It's a kind of a. It's not the greatest um big finish to be honest with you, but it's a it's an okay little story. It's a basically about this place in in Wales called Serenity Plaza, which is like this kind of uh, security gated little community thing. It's like everyone everyone who lives there has got like this perfect little house. Everything's lovely and neat. It's a bit like Stepford Wives kind of thing. Oh, okay, um, yeah. But uh, Jack and Yanto pretend to be a, a gay married couple <laughs> and they move in. And uh, so the, the the cell 114, which are the sleeper cells from this story, they are there and they're investigating what's going on and stuff. So it's it's kind of cool. It's it's not too bad. It's only an hour story. It's one of those shorter Torchwood ones. Um, but it's more about Jack and Yanso and them living together, really. And okay. sort of living together as a couple is quite cool. But uh, the only downside to that story, though, is that in order for you to distinguish between the sleeper agents and the other cast members on an audio story, they've had to do something with a voice. So any time one of the sleeper agents is, is talking. They've got like this kind of um, uh, sort of strange voice that they're putting on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause we don't really hear them in their form in this, do we? Exactly. Yeah. So oh, it, I see. Yeah. yeah. So um, if, if you can get past that little sort of niggle, it's, um, it's not a bad hour to spend. So, I, I, I do need to listen to some of the Torchwood big finish cause I do hear they're good. And I've had a few people ask me, you know, Oh, which do you recommend? And I have to, replying so i haven't listened to any um it's just another range that i need to find money for but yeah i hear the tortured ones are really good yeah it's, some of them are really good actually yeah yes, this yeah, one's I'll not amazing but yeah if you want to know more about these sleeper cell 114 dudes then they're in that one mm. what yes. did you think of that guy that um you know turns out to be sort of like the main 
baddie, the the guy in the suit that was drinking wine that goes a bit AWOL. Because there was something about he had a sort of a sort of evil look, but something about his performance I didn't really buy into. If you know what I mean, I don't know. There was something about him I just thought. Mm. Yeah, I th- I think him as a, his performance as an actor, uh, Doug Rollins, I think I think his mm. name was, um, wasn't too bad to begin with. But then the way he was written at the end just spoiled it a bit for me because up to that point, they were very much these kind of speechless, almost like Terminator. It, like, they ripped off like the mm. Terminator kind of thing, really. It, it, he had that kind of, uh, you know, no mission, you know, nothing's going to stop the mission. You know, that was it. And then at the end, he kind of turns into like a kind of cartoony comic book villain. Because <laughs> That's what, what I mean, yeah, you know? exactly. Because when they, they're about to stop him, he does this sort of, little speech thing doesn't he like you'll we'll never be defeated you'll never stop us and then he does this weird laugh and yeah you just think oh why did you didn't have to sort of turn him into it was like something from like the marvel universe you know some of the bad you know low-key speech at the end sort of thing it's a bit like richard bryce in paradise towers isn't it when he gets yeah he's yeah. fine up until the bit where he gets possessed and he starts to start a trap is it and he says oh no you need to tone it down it's not goes a bit pantomime villain at yes. the end yeah yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what. Another line I, I did like was um, is when they're talking about the communications being cow and Yand. It's another Yanto classic when he's talking about <laughs> we'll get some tin cans and <laughs> and some string and stuff like that. So that there was some good humour in this. Um, there's a couple of good lines from different people in this, mainly Yanto, but mm. there's a, there was a couple of good good one liners in this. I thought, which does help because I think with Torchwood. It, because it's more adult and it can be quite serious. You do need these moments of relief to, to, um, to get you through. So there was some good bits in this. The writer, what's his name? Uh, James Moran. Yeah. Yep. So he's written for Doctor Who, right? I think, did he write Fires of Pompeii or something? Uh, yeah, he's wrote a couple of other, other stories. Um, uh, what did he Did he write do? Fires of Pompeii or am I completely wrong? Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought the script was um, fairly witty from him in places, which was good. It was actually. Yeah, not too bad. Especially for Yanto, just those comical little bits. And yeah. Yeah, just looking to see if you, was it just Fires on Pompeii? Is that the only Doctor who's yeah, done? Yeah, he'd, he'd done another couple of Torchwood stories. And oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, not a bad script. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else you want to mention, bud? Um, no, I'm just looking at my list. For some reason, I've written Mind Probe twice as big as everything else on there. I don't know. <laughs> I must have just liked that bit. Uh, no, I think I've done, mate. I think I'm ready to score it. Cool. It's you to go first, I think. Y- yeah, I'm just going to go down a... I think whenever I enjoy an episode, it's nothing special. I always go for a, a seven because it's just a, a good watch. Um, so I'll go with a seven. Okay. Decent. It is a little bit forgettable, but um, yeah, I'd quite happily watch it again. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. Okay, wasn't bad. Okay, I'm gonna go slightly lower. I'm gonna go with a six point five. Okay, yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. For similar reasons, really, it is quite forgettable and it's nothing amazing. Um, but there's just nothing in it that made me think like, you know, this is like Torchwood at its best sort of thing. And 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 uh, John Barrowman, like I said earlier at the beginning, he annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, fair he, enough. Yeah. yeah, he does feel quite forced at times, like he's like he's sh- he's shouting and stuff. But I, I find that in stories like this, when he does shout and try and be assertive and take control, 
the, the opposite happens and it just descends into more chaos. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if you're going to shout and sort of put your foot down, then do that properly. Don't just shout because you, the script's told you to be assertive sort of thing. It's weird, isn't know. it? Because in Doctor Who, he seems very comfortable with Jack. And in Torchwood, his, he does get written differently by different writers, I think. And it's as if sometimes, or at least up to this point, it's as if he's not quite sure, you know, he hasn't quite found his character, if you like. But I think that's down to writing. I think sometimes he's just written differently. Because if you think about him in Doctor Who, he's quite consistent, isn't he? In his characterization, yeah, yeah. he's sort of a bit flirty, a couple of lines, but gets stuck in and stuff. Um, yeah, Torchwood, he can be a bit up and down, actually. I think you're right. Mm. A little bit. Mm. Yes. Right, so seven from him, 6.5 from me. What did our listeners mm. think? We had, a, we had a few audio clips in. Uh, regular reviewer, as always, Sammy from Down Under. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, sleeper. Nikki Amuka Bird plays Beth. She also is the voice of the glass woman slash Helen Clay in Twice Upon a Time. She's also in Big Finish's The Eighth Doctor Time War 2 box set as Tamazin. Anyway, Sleeper is an interesting concept and it really tries to get you to connect with Beth. But I just don't feel you really get to know her so you can care about her. I honestly don't know what it is that stops me from caring about her. Gwen is Gwen... I don't know. I just don't think it works. Also, why is Jack so aggressive? He seems to deal with aliens by being aggressive towards them all the time. I can't understand it. I give it five sleeper aliens out of ten. Stay safe. Wash your hands. See ya. Sammy not getting it. A five from Sammy. Not really feeling this one. No, she's not feeling it. Not feeling it at all. But thank you very much for your view, as always, Sammy. Moving on, this is Craig Bryce. Hi, guys. Hope you're both well. Uh, so sorry I've been able to send in an audio of you over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I was really looking forward to giving you my opinion of the last two stories, A Trial of a Time Lord. But never mind, let's get to Torchwood. So, Sleeper, what do I think of this one? Well, it's definitely a better second story than uh, Day One was to Series One, because let's be frank, that was absolutely awful. But this one is really good. I actually really enjoy this one. I prefer it to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, I think it's a good idea from James Moran, who wrote the story. Um, I think... Uh, the sleeper agents is a really good idea and they are really threatening and I think the performances from everyone involved was absolutely brilliant especially the actress who played Beth sorry I can't remember her name but I really felt sorry for her character I thought she did a really good performance but everybody everybody involved was good Um, all in all I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10 a really good story cheers guys speak next week bye an 8 an 8 from Craig liking this one Craig um, let us know like um Tweet us or comment on the Facebook and let us know your thoughts on the Trial of Time Lord, if you like, if you haven't already. Yes. Always interesting to hear your thoughts, mate. Yeah, and no apology needed, buddy. It's all good. Thank you very much. And lastly, this is David Carlin. Hey, Garen Adam, David from Fulham here. So, Tortured and Sleeper. This one episode I've always remembered from when it aired 12 years ago. John Barrowman and Eve Miles, as always, takes control, while Owen and Toshiko argue and assist Jack. Uh, but nothing special, really. Uh, do I even have to mention poor Yanto? Uh, he does bugger all. <laughs> uh, the character of Nikki was intriguing, as you would wonder the whole time whether she was good or bad, and if she even knew who she was. I'd love to see the sleepers back in some form, in some way. Uh, the story was gripping, and the arm transition has always made me squirm. The actress, by the way, I don't know if you know, um, she was the voice of the testimony in Capaldi's farewell story. Um, so, really, I really enjoyed it. 
and I think I'm going to give it 7 out of 10. Thanks, bye. I didn't know, but I do now. What you do now? I didn't know she was the voice. Yeah. Seven. A seven. Agrees with me, a seven. Seven indeedy. Yeah, thank you very much, David. And to our other audio reviewers, much appreciated as always. We had a few over on the uh, socials as always, over on Twitter. Uh, Caitlin Dalek said, Sleeper is just a rather simple and generic concept, really. I also find it to be one of the more forgettable stories of season uh, series two. Season. Season. Uh, the main team are really good here at the moment, but the execution to the story is nothing special. Seven out of ten. Mm, Our yes. writer, regular Big Finish reviewer, Jordan Shortman, says one of the first episodes I vividly remember watching live and it terrified me. Uh, I was a little too young, really, to be watching it, but the man with the blade arm was horrifically frightening. Not mm. one of the torch, not one of Torchwood's best, but I look back on it quite fondly. Yeah. The Universe of Who says one of the most underrated stories of Torchwood. Not perfect or brilliant, uh, but quite good. The concept is interesting. There's plenty of action. It's very enjoyable, and the cast are on fine form. Seven out of ten. Mm. John Griffith's uh, cracking little ep this, bloody and violent. The arm weapon reminded me of Terminator 2. Uh, wouldn't want to be a resident of Cardiff, living above a time rift and nuclear warheads. No. I <laughs> uh, wonder if the TARDIS has an embedded name in the door like the Torchwood car. Eight sleepers out of ten. Oh, it says Torchwood along the <laughs> it front. It does, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Needs, uh, more, needs more flashing disco lights, though. <laughs> Brian Chapman says, my first ever Torchwood. And I wow. really enjoyed it. Beth was a great alien conflicted over her existence and Gwen brought a much needed heart to the Cardiff crew. Seven neck snapping activated aliens out of 10. <laughs> wow. Your first one, Brian. Cool. Oh, wow. Uh, Jamie Rich, uh, very good episode with some chilling moments, e.g. the pram. Uh, brilliant performance from Nikki Bird. Amuka. Apologies for the incorrect spelling. No, I get you, Jenny. Uh, yeah, that was quite horrific. The, um, the pram when it goes into the roads that you don't, see yeah yeah uh sarah louise a running hoovian ah. always running uh i really enjoyed this episode it had a great storyline which the cast delivered very well making it a wholly believable concept uh the type that stays with you for a few days i mm. give it an eight out of ten mm, an eight and lastly joe says i think this is a really fun episode there's lots of action. It's graphic, and some of the jokes are brilliantly funny. I think the person who plays Beth can sometimes feel a bit like she's overdoing it slightly, but overall, I thought the whole team were good. A nine. A nine, blimey. Nine out of ten. Uh, and then we had a few uh, over on Facebook. Uh, we had Kevin Mullin say, an utterly forgettable storyline and gratuitously gory for the sake of it. Mm. Uh, two spiky arms out of ten being generous <laughs> oh dear kev oh dear not, not a fan that one uh andrew cuthbert says i'm in the minority when i say this is a story i constantly revisit the dynamics between gwen and the torchwood way quote unquote when the experiment is to determine whether she is the sleeper alien uh, the literal ticking time bomb and some absolutely beautiful looking prosthetics make this one of my favorite stories a nine out of ten Mm. nine from andrew uh franco dyer says how this came from the same writer of fires of pompeii is beyond me uh, as this is far from the sheer quality of that story the side characters lack interest the dialogue is pretty inept and the characterization of the regulars lacks any flair at least it does what it says in the title a sleeper of a story uh gives it a two out of ten wow another two dean jones another solid effort from series two the team 
dynamic is strong on the whole and the plot engaging with some great stakes at the end. The humour can be at odds with the tone sometimes, but still has a decent laugh. Eight out of ten. And lastly, Joseph Howarth. Finally, something that's not trial of a time, Lord. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just glad that we're back doing regular stuff. Uh, anyway, the episode, while it's not something I haven't already seen before, it was good for the most part, but I think it's a story that I've heard before. It doesn't have much in the imagination. Uh, Torchwood crew, still good as ever, but I feel it's um, I feel it's a bit on the forgettable side of things. Not really something I'll come back to, but worth a watch. A 7 out of 10. Seven, okay. Another, yeah, another seven. So, yeah, a fairly divided bunch of scores, that one. It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very, either some that really didn't like it or some, that have, well, a couple that really liked it. Yeah, but yeah very mixed, that one. Mm. Okay, well, thank you so much, guys, for all your reviews and thoughts. Very much appreciated, as always. Next week, bud, what we got? Uh, next week, uh, time for some Matt Smith, we felt. So we're going to do an 11th Doctor two-parter. The Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon next yes. week. I've been looking forward to doing these ones with you, mate, this two-parter. Have you? Yeah, because over the years when we've spoken about Matt Smith and Series 6 in particular, we haven't had the best things to say about it, really. I have not watched Series 6 in quite some time, uh, particularly this two-parter. Uh, can't actually remember the last time I watched this, so I'm looking forward to revisiting it yeah i really don't know what i feel about this one at all at this point so yeah definitely looking forward to giving this one another go yes when i say we haven't had good things to say about it of course we've had lots of lots of good things to say um but we've also thrown a bit of shade around the moth just going a bit nuts with this series and (laughs) and some other bits and pieces so uh it's it's going to be good to um and we always skirt off of the conversation as well whenever that we conversation comes up about something to do with the start of series six we're like well we've not reviewed that yet so don't say anything but it's a very interesting take on a very interesting direction to kick off a new series so um yeah it's gonna be a fun one interesting one i think yeah i think so yes because it confused the crap out of me when i first watched it so it'll be good to go back and try and make sense of it absolutely mate same yes right yeah i think we are gonna do there bud for 270 Alrighty. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with the show for another week and listening into episode 270. It's been great to have you aboard. As always, any newcomers to the show waving? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Any uh, long-time listeners, welcome back. Next week for 271, as Adam said, it's the uh, Matt Smith two-parter, The Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon. So get your Blu-rays or DVDs out for that. Or um, Netflix, whatever you watch Doctor Who on, because we'll be asking for your thoughts, as always, which is the best part of the show. Uh, in the meantime, head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, there are links to go off to the various podcast apps and networks. We'd love to have you have you as a subscriber. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every Friday. And if you've got a minute to leave a review or a rating, that would be awesome because that helps us out lots and lots. We're on the socials too. Do a search for the Big Blue Box Podcast over on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. There's links on the website too. 
We chat plenty of Doctor Who throughout the week. And there's a link on the website to our free Discord server too. So come on, hop on, hop on there and chat and hang out and discuss and waffle everything Doctor Who. And also, as always, grab a cup of tea and head over to my co-host YouTube channel, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, the old Geek's Handbag. The old geek. <laughs> Loads of really cool videos from Adam over there. I say grab a cup of tea because once you start watching one, you'll be down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Adam's got so many cool videos. So get comfy, grab a cuppa and uh, go and check out Adam's channel. And Adam's on the, so- so- uh, on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. To come and connect with us over there on the socials. I love the socials. Indeed. Well, most of them. <laughs> Someone Some wants to get me on TikTok, though, mate. What is that? What is TikTok? Oh, TikTok, yeah. You're not on it, are you? No, no. Okay. I think <laughs> it's like an amalgamation of Instagram and something else. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Bloody kids. <laughs> yeah, bloody kids. Anyways, we won't see you on TikTok. But we'll see you on the other socials. So until next week, for 271, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, and...